bring your kid to work is being recorded in Mianjin, and we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Yuggera and Turrbal people as the traditional custodians of the land and waters on which we learn, work and play, and we extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. We support the Uluru Statement from the Heart, and its call for an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice to be enshrined in Australia's constitution. It's time to bring your kid to work. Hey everyone, it's time to bring your kid to work. It's the family podcast that explores the world of work through the eyes of parents and their kids. Each week, we interview one parent and their child to chat about what they do for work, what they like, what they don't like, and how they got there in the first place. Let's find out who we're talking to today. Our guests today are Lucy and her daughter, Erin. Dr. Lucy Cameron is Team Leader Innovation and Economics at Data61 the part of CSIRO, the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, that works with data and analytics. She's like a real-life explorer, but instead of searching for hidden treasures, she explores ideas and projects that help us all understand our world and our society better and help us prepare for the future. Lucy is so passionate about innovation and creating the right kind of environment to bring great ideas to life that she wrote a book about it. Her latest research is about the big trends happening in sports that people who make decisions in government and business will use to help them plan for the future. She brings with her her daughter Erin, who came into the studio reading a book, George Orwell's 1984, which also talks a lot about the future. She has big plans for when she leaves school and is working hard to make it all happen. This was a brilliant chat and they both made me laugh a lot. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Bring Your Kid to Work. Today's episode is called The Innovation Researcher, and I have really excellent guests for you guys today. I'm so excited for this conversation. Can I have our first guest introduce herself, please? Hi, I'm Erin. Hello, Erin. And you are how old? 14. 14. Excellent. So that means you are in grade eight, I think, at school. Yeah. And you brought with you your mum. What's your mum's name? Alicia Cameron. <laughs> Otherwise known as Lucy. Otherwise known as Lucy. I haven't actually gotten into that before. Why, okay. Why do you go from, from Alicia to Lucy? Um, well, I pronounce it Alicia, Alicia and most of the Australian population pronounces it Alicia. Yeah. And it just at one point started to, you know, um, great too much. So I just went, I'll go with something easy that everyone can pronounce. My mother wanted to call me Lucy when I was born. And it's kind of like my family name of Lissy. So I just went, call me Lucy. Aww. And everyone did. And it was instant. Yes. Yeah. Mm. The amount of trouble that um, people have with Lessio is quite extraordinary, really. So yeah, yeah. I can imagine Alicia is, is, <laughs> is exactly the same kind of challenge. Erin, what does your mum do for a job? Do you know? Um, she analyzes data trends, I think. Yeah, basically a bad psychic, but yeah, that's... <laughs> I prefer mad psychic than bad psychic. But... I think we can go with mad... Potato <laughs> tomato. <laughs> so, Lucy, your official title is Team Leader Innovation and Economics for Data61, which is a part of the CSIRO. That's right, yeah. Okay, so the CSIRO, I've heard of it before. People call it CSIRO as well. 
Yeah. yeah. What yeah. does it mean? Well, it stands for Commonwealth Industrial and Scientific Research Organisation. We're from the organisation that invented Wi-Fi. Originally, CSIRO was set up to assist Australian industry, particularly agriculture and chemicals um, industry in Australia, so that we could become better at exporting and better at, um, you know, growing what the world really needed at that particular point. It was really to help Australian industry, and we're still very, very applied in our science. So, yeah. That's where CSIRO sits. It's in applied sciences and it's the best organisation to work for. It's really satisfying to see, you know, all this fantastic technology be developed all around you. I'm just surrounded by super smart people everywhere you look in CSIRO. You are in this room because you've got Erin next to you. (laughs) As a researcher in the innovation and economic space, what do you think your mum does all day long? Is she outside? Is she inside? Is she with people? Is she alone? What does she do, Erin? Um, from what I've gathered, she mainly writes stuff, um, question mark, but I don't know. I, yeah. So on a computer, typing out stuff? Presumably. Um, (laughs) yeah. With people, by herself? I, I feel like she would interact at least sometimes with people. She's not just in her evil lair, just <laughs> typing away randomly, <laughs> muttering to herself with scientific gadgets in the background. But um, yeah, I don't know. She could be like that. Ooh. Do you get to play with scientific gadgets, Lucy? I don't get to play with them as much as I was at university and those sorts of places. But I do see a lot of labs. We, you know, our sites are full of labs. Um, there's a lot of growing experiments, there's a lot of testing of technology, that sort of thing. We have a robotics room in our site at Hurston. It's fun just to watch it without actually, you know, being the hands-on person. But yeah, I guess I do sit in my room a lot and type a lot. That much is true. Evil scientist. Um, And we do do a lot of research online these days and a lot of teamwork online because we have um, offices all around Australia. You can work with anyone from anywhere at any time. That's right. Yeah. So do you sit and write reports? And I know that Erin said analyze data like a <laughs> bad psychic, mad psychic. Is that the kind of stuff that you do all day? Yeah, it is. So I'm in the economics area now and what we do is try and prove the economic case for adopting new technologies. So we can adopt technology and become hugely more productive. And that's the sort of thing we're looking at so that we can, you know, encourage more people to do it and to do it at the leading edge. Because once we're more productive, then we lead the world in creating that thing or that product or that service. So, yeah, that's the sort of work we do is all of this examination of the impact of new technologies and how they're going to help or hinder us into the future. But I have come from, and this is where Erin be referring to the mad psychic thing, is from a force area and what foresight is is long-term futures of five to ten years you have to look at the mega trends which are occurring around them like the demographic trends and the political trends and the technological trends and work out what does that mean for sport or what does that mean for tourism or what does that mean for agriculture into the future in Australia and then you can plan with that knowledge and that's the sort of work we do in conjunction with industry. Lucy, when you were a little girl Mm. and you were thinking, I know what I want to be when I grow up, I want to be a researcher in innovation. Is that (laughs) something that happened? Um, No. (laughs) I wanted to do something with animals. 
I wanted to be a naturalist like Harry Butler or David Attenborough. They, oh. like, they were my heroes. And so I used to spend my summers catching lizards and, you know, having looking at cicadas and climbing trees. And I just love that whole lifestyle and the idea that you could go around studying the natural world. So I went to university and my first degree was in ecology. And in ecology, I studied statistics. From there, I got a job in a university as a statistics officer. I kind of hated that work. (laughs) I didn't like it very much. You wanted to be outside climbing a tree. (laughs) That's right, I did. I wanted to be out in the bush. And I did do work on feral cats in the Northern Territory, but I gave it up mainly because I got an allergy up there, which meant that I couldn't complete the studies. So I came back down south and I got another job in a university. From there, that led to a PhD and then that led to working government in innovation policy. And then from there, I I got the job in Foresight at Data61. And I also got a Smithsonian Fellowship at one stage and went over to the US and studied innovation hotspots for three months over there. And that was just amazing. That was fascinating. I love that. So impressive. And that led to you writing your book about innovation hotspots. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For those listening, Lucy is the author of two books because one is not enough, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Too good. And having having a full-time job and, you know, full-time family responsibilities, you have to also write books on top of that. That makes us all feel a little (laughs) bit unaccomplished. (laughs) Erin, your mum said that her job that she's got now wasn't the one that she dreamed of when she was little. What is the job, not that you're little because you're 14, but what is the job that you dream of now? What do you think you want to do? Oh, I want to be a doctor. (laughs) Very achievable dream, I know. Um, (laughs) For you, I think absolutely, yeah. So you want to be a doctor. What kind of doctor? Preferably a pediatrician. So children's doctor. Don't confuse it with podiatrist, please. I've had way too many people do that. Yeah, which is a foot doctor. Yeah. Very different to being a kid doctor. Yeah, very, very different. (laughs) Yeah. So why do you want to be a pediatrician? Where did that dream come from? Um, well, first off, I really like science Mm. and maths, but I think mainly science at the moment, particularly biology and chemistry. So there's that aspect. Mm -hmm. I'd be doing that all day, but also I am a very, a very sickly child. I went to the hospital so many times as a kid and it's a very calming environment for me. Just enjoy being there, which makes me sound like a psycho, but... No, it's a place where answers are found. I get that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Problems are solved. People are helped. Yeah. Yeah. So you love science and you love math. So those are the things that you really love at school. Yeah. And engineering. But yeah, science and maths are really my go-to subjects. Engineering is also about problem solving. Yeah. There's a, there's a trend I am noticing. Yeah. So those are the things you love in school. What do you love outside of school? Music. I really do love music. Anything from before the 2000s or 2010. I've been listening to David Bowie and ABBA, weirdly enough, the entire week before this. And yeah, it's really awesome. So do you play music? I do play the drums. Yeah. I know. It's just a really nice hobby. Yeah. You get to hit stuff and make music. Yeah. (laughs) I think that sounds brilliant. Yeah. It's a nice change. Like I could be doing my maths homework and then I just go and blast ACDC and play the drums. That's amazing. Do you want to keep that happening? Yeah. Um, it's important to have a good hobby, a creative hobby that's kind of aside from your regular day-to-day life. Mm. 
what do you do outside of work, Lucy, that's fun and creative or just fun? I really love bushwalking and I've recently joined Brisbane Women's Bushwalking Club so I can just go out and spend a day. Like, and it, It's so great because it's ad hocly organised so anyone can put up an event and other people will join in and you can just go near or far and get to know other people while you're walking and I love horse riding too but I very rarely, rarely get to do that. But when I do, it takes me back to my childhood because I did grow up with horses. Oh, wow. And I miss them. I've missed in my entire life so I'd love to at some point when I retire while I'm still able to ride have another horse again. That is a good retirement plan I like that. I like it too I just hope I'm not too old by that stage to ride horses. Otherwise you just get a cart and you can just be pulled by the horse and enjoy that (laughs) just sit in the back relaxing. (laughs) So Erin as a paediatrician What do you think you're going to spend your days doing? Like your mum's doing things like sitting at the computer, writing reports, having meetings with people, collaborating, trying to figure out solving problems together and see big trends. What does a paediatrician do all day long, do you think? Well, I don't know, but I'd imagine just, I don't know, working in a hospital or in their clinic or wherever they work and sitting down with patients and then talking to them. I think paediatricians probably have to calm down parents. Oh, yeah, that would be a big one. Yeah. Mm. I remember a very highly paid paediatrician making me a cup of tea at one stage. (laughs) She's going to be okay. It's scary stuff. So you want to be there to help people feel less scared. Yeah. It would definitely be an emotional job. But if you go about it the right way and with the attitude that you want to help people, it would be a very rewarding job. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Well, and you appreciated the doctors that were helping you. So being able to, it's almost like a giving back, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So cool. What then makes a good job? Erin, what do you think makes a good job? One with um, variety. I would hate to be doing the same thing over and over and over again. That would be, yeah, it's my idea of hell. It's, mm. Yep. And also something that you enjoy. Like I, I wouldn't want a job as an, I don't know, an author because, I mean, I like writing to an extent, but if I, if it was my job, I just would, I wouldn't find it that fun. So yeah, you have to enjoy what you do. It's interesting the difference between a pediatrician who'd be in a hospital working with lots of people and an author who would be sitting by themselves. I think you've yeah. revealed something here about what you like as well. You like being part of a team. Weirdly enough, I'm not too bad alone. I'm an introvert. I, yeah, put me in a social situation and I just go into the corner or buy the <laughs> snack bar or wherever it is and just, yeah, don't talk to anyone I don't know. But also I, I want some feeling of community. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Do you get that feeling of community in the work that you do, Lucy? Yeah, I think I do. You know, there are a lot of days because post-pandemic, I think like a lot of workplaces, it's been a struggle to bring people back into the office. But when we are in the office, because we do the same kind of work, we know the pros and cons of it and we can talk to each other about it and discuss connections and how to do it better and I think there is just a general appreciation of each other's work you get to ask questions and you get to know the other scientists even if you've never met them sort of thing so I do think there is a sense of community I think any team which has to work towards a common goal 
develops this sense of community too because you have to rely on each other you have to rely on each other's separate skills and I think that's where you find your community is in your separate but valued roles yeah yeah it's amazing what you can do when you all have a common goal that you want to go towards and everybody puts in the bit of skill that they have because we're not all good at the same things we're all good at different things which is perfect for a team Lucy you said before that you did some research on feral cats and you were out in the bush and found out that you had this allergy, which is a real bummer. But what was your first job? My first job was in a factory in the Edgels Cannery in Bathurst. And it was a real shock. And I think, you know, coming out of high school, working is a real shock to a lot of people, yeah. right? Because you're, you're nurtured and you're, yeah, you're working towards these exams and goals and that sort of thing. And then you come out and you realise what the real world is like for most people. And anyway, my real world at that point was a cannery in Bathurst. And it, it was something out of the Industrial Revolution. People did mechanical tasks all day, like pick up potatoes and cut the bad bits off them and put them back on a line or just stack cans in a repetitive movement on a conveyor belt or I had one job in the frozen corn section where I had to look at the conveyor belt of corn kernels and just flick off the brown ones and and that was your job all day like for an eight hour shift. Eight hours you were looking for brown corn kernels. That's right. Walkmans were just making it onto the scene but you had no music. It was a real shock what real employment looked like post high school and it was one of the reasons why I just went I've got to go to university (laughs) I'm not going to save up for a gap year of traveling because I cannot stand this working life and I think I was there for two or three weeks like not very long wow working whether it's Edgel's Cannery or an office job or anything outside high school is a shock or can be a shock to people yeah And it is about finding community and having people to talk to about your work around you. It did make me go to university straight away. (laughs) (laughs) So then how do you define a good job? Erin's saying a good job is variety and doing something you love. I think there's all those things. Variety is really important. Like I get to work on different reports all the time and I get to meet new people and I get to think about things in different ways all the time. And I always am challenging my preconceptions conceptions. Autonomy is a big one. The more control you had over your work life mm-hmm. and the workflow around you, the to happier. To in charge of your own time and work yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, that's right. I think that's a big part of a happy workplace. And I also think, you know, having goals, that's a big part of it too. So if you can see what your goals are five years down the track and where you're kind of heading, that makes me happy too. (laughs) And the people you work with? Very important. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so it's just like a partner in a way. You've got to have some kind of values alignment Mm. or at least some kind of agreement of respect along values. So you may not agree with them, but you respect why they think like they do and So you said you went to university after being at the Edgel factory. What other jobs did you do then? So I had a range of student jobs. I worked in a neuropathology lab where my job was to go down to the morgue and get people's brains after they'd died and they were having an autopsy, take them up to the neuropathology lab, fix them in formalin for two weeks. And then after two weeks, they were sort of rubbery enough to cut them on a deli slicer. And that was my job. And then the pathologist would come in and look for things like multiple sclerosis or the regions of the brain which were affected by stroke, or if there was any other abnormality in the brain which could have been responsible for that person's death. So you, as a uni student, were able to use a deli slicer to give families answers. (laughs) 
me when I was at high school was able to use a deli slicer at my mum and dad's butcher shop to give people ham. So <laughs> we look at it in quite slightly different ways. <laughs> slightly different ways, our views on deli slicers. That is amazing. I love that. <laughs> but it gives you an appreciation, doesn't it, of all the work that goes into finding scientific answers. Yeah. yeah. And it was fascinating. Like, you know, occasionally you'd get a boxer's brain and you'd see the damage that that caused to <gasps> their actual right ventricles and the um, partition between them. And you, and you could see it was fascinating to learn about conditions on the brain. Yeah. Um, but it was also very confronting for a uni student to deal with going to the morgue every day to pick up people's brains. Absolutely. That sounds very confronting. Mm. It also sounds, though, that you've got a quest for knowledge in the same way that Erin has a quest for knowledge. So, Erin, you want to find out answers for things, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Is that why you love maths and science particularly, because they have answers? Yeah. The amount of times I've been frustrated in English or drama because, I mean, with maths and science, there's a definite answer. Like, you do this, you do this, and you get this answer and it is correct. Or with science, this happens because this and this and this and these factors all combine to make that. Mm. And yeah, but with drama, which I do at school, there's no wrong answer. Anything can be interpreted in so many different ways. And, you know, I, I do enjoy it, but it's like... Mm, <laughs> it you breaks can, your brain a little bit? Yeah, it, <laughs> I have a very logical mind. I'm very much a logical person and just the the thought that goes into creativity, it blows my mind. I couldn't do it. I yeah. For a job necessarily. No. <laughs> yeah, I respect, too much ambiguity in there. Yeah, I respect musicians and, you know, authors and stuff because I just I can't do it. <laughs> I think that's the important thing in any job uh, that you do is to understand that people doing other jobs have got a really important, wonderful yeah. job to do too. Yeah. Yeah. Lucy, what did your parents do? Why did you want to go to university so bad? Were they people who went to university? Yeah, they both went to university. Well, both were teachers. Wow. My father was the one that really gave me the maths and science edge. We'd go on car trips and he'd talk about the periodic table and we'd have to guess the periodic table or capitals around the world. He really loved maths. It was never... If you're going to go to university, it was you'll find that out when you go to university. So it was almost like it was imprinted on me from a very young age that I would finish high school, get a good mark, that was a given, and then go on to university. And I went to Sydney Uni and did science. I didn't get a brilliant mark in my HSC, but I got enough to get into science and then I started to get good marks at uni. So if I was advising kids, I'd say you're going to have setbacks along the way. You know, there are going to be points where your dreams are going to be shattered and you won't be able to do what you've always dreamt you're going to do. But that doesn't mean you can't do other things you're going to love doing. And it is about finding that that happy appreciation place of being appreciated. I think that's really big for me of doing a job where you feel appreciated. It's really important to feel appreciated. What did it feel like when you realised your dream of being the female Australian David Attenborough wasn't going to be <laughs> your thing. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah, when you when you realised that you had that allergy. Yeah, I felt pretty low, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I came back to Sydney. I lived at my mum's house. After having the autonomy of being yeah, out of the house. <laughs> yeah, being this wild girl of Kakadu. To come back to Sydney and live at home in, my, in the back room of my mother's house, it was crushing. 
I think at that point I focused on just other things I wanted to do. So I went back to uni and that's always been my go-to is if I'm unhappy to go back and learn some more and do something that you might like to do. If I'm not happy, I can go and learn something which makes me happier. I love that learning makes you happy. Mm. Also, I think that's a really important lesson because sometimes you have a dream about a job that you're going to do and you work really hard to do the job that you think you're going to do and then it doesn't work out Mm. and you then go, okay, well, what's the next dream? Mm. So, Erin, in the world where paediatrician isn't a possibility, what else might you like to do? I really do love engineering. I love being able to solve a problem Mm -hmm. because that's really all engineering is. That would be a pretty cool job if I didn't get, you know, my dream. Yeah, for sure. I was just thinking, Erin, does your mum like her job? Um, But I I think generally you enjoy your job at least to a certain degree. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I love my job except, um, you know, everyone gets tired. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. You could love, 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 love whatever it is you're doing and be tired. So I think you have to work out ways to do the highs and lows in any job that you do. Yeah. The way you talk about the scientific research and things that are happening at CSIRO, it does sound like you really believe in what they're doing, though. Totally. So any the lows, you can kind of get through a little bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, it's... I feel like I'm in a privileged workplace in Australia. I think working for CSIRO is a privilege. I think anyone who enjoys listening to incredibly smart people make breakthrough technologies would enjoy working there. People that I know who've gone on from CSIRO are world leaders now and, you know, again, incredible. I admire all my workmates. That's a cool thing. Oh, totally, yeah. 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 Not many workplaces I've worked where I've said that, but I do it, Syro. I love it. Yeah. Erin, you're, if you're wanting to be a paediatrician, are going to need to do a fair amount of study. How long do paediatricians go to university for? Um, I think, oh, 14 years apparently. That, Your whole life at that <laughs> university. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's a way of looking at it. <laughs> That's going to be fun. I'm glad you like learning. Yeah. I feel like that will get me a lot of places, my curiosity. You probably will need to get a job in between, though. Probably, yeah. What do you think your first job is going to be? Um, There is a really good bookshop just down the road from where I live, and I've been going to it since I was absolutely tiny, and I would love to work there. Yeah, all the people are so nice. I know the staff by name. It is a an award-winning, nationally recognised bookshop. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah, Avid Reader would be a great place to yeah. get a job. It's, Plus, I reckon you get a discount on books. I know. So reading is obviously another hobby of yours. Yeah, <laughs> she's the world's biggest reader. Ever mm. since she's very little, you just find her reading all day. Yeah, Avid Reader would be a really fun first job. Yeah, it yeah. would be. For sure. Is there anything that you're worried about when you leave school and go out into the world, Erin? I'm worried that I won't get a fun job or one that I don't at least enjoy to an extent. Yeah, that would just crush me. The Edgel factory does not have Erin in their sights then. Nope. (laughs) No way. Lucy, if you weren't doing this job, what else do you think you'd like to do? 
I don't know. Like, I, I do every now and again, you know, think if I gave it all up, what business would I start? Mm-hmm. So I've, I've thought about a few things and you have to do that graph of, um, you know, what I'd like to do, what would make money, what is good for the world, what, mm-hmm. you know, find your happy place in the middle. And... Yeah, I think, um, you know, I have a whole lot of crazy ideas that probably I shouldn't say out loud. No, keep them to yourself. (laughs) I think at this stage, I'm really happy to explore the opportunities that we've got in innovation economics at CSIRO. But after that's over, starting up little enterprises, and I guess because I'd be in semi-retirement by then too, it may not have to make a lot of money. It might just be completely joyous. For people starting out, people who are choosing subjects, people who are maybe leaving uni, even people who are in the middle of one of those moments in their careers where they're like, I think I want to do something else. What advice would you give to people in those kind of circumstances? Have faith in your ability to learn. Like Mm. that's always been a fallback for me. You can always retrain and learn a new thing. And we should be doing that more often, I think, these days. We have to learn new skills. Make yourself useful. And I think, you know, there, there are some transferable skills Increasingly, I think that's going to be the softer skills like communication and emotional intelligence and maturity. And I think the other the other thing is I love women's sport because what I can see in women's sport is people learning how to lose well and people learning how to win well. And that emotional intelligence is going to be increasingly important throughout life. So don't have tantrums when you lose. <laughs> <laughs> like take it take it as a learning experience that like what did I do wrong here what could I have done better all of those sorts of things but also take responsibility for your life so if you're not happy that's your issue that you have to try and work out that's a problem for you to solve and take it on and try and sort of solve it in ways which it's always a risk because you don't know where you're going will make you happier or sadder but I think not blaming people around you for your circumstances is a big lesson to learn but the sooner you learn it the better your life's going to be yeah Um, yeah I, I, I guess your career you're going to do things which you absolutely love you're going to do things which you know uh, suboptimal <laughs> absolutely suck but you have faith in yourself and your ability to learn I think that's my biggest because I, I feel like at this point in history it's so hard to advise people starting out because the world ahead is not the world we grew up in yeah but the ability to learn I think is probably the best lesson yeah I love that Erin any advice that you have for people who are in the middle of working out what they want to do just do what makes you happy. That's so cliche. I'm sorry. Just make sure that you actually do like what you do. And you know, even if you have the best career possible in your mind, but the skills that you need for it are not what you enjoy doing, then, you know, maybe it's not the career for you. Maybe you can do another branch of it or you can, I don't know, do something similar to it. But you know, just don't try and force yourself to like things. Do what actually does bring you joy. And yeah. That is brilliant advice. Mm. Thank you. Do more things you enjoy every day is, yeah. I think, a great motto, motto because that alleviates stress too, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Having more fun is a good thing, I yeah. think. Joy is definitely underrated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both so much for coming to chat. I love that you both have these curious brains. Thank you, Erin. Thank you. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks, Nicole. Bye. See you. Bye.
Coming up next week, we've got our first Bring Your Big Kid to Work episode and we'll meet Matt and his grown-up daughter, Jessie. Hi, Nicole. It's Matt Burnett here. I'm the mayor of the Gladstone region in central Queensland and it's my daughter, Jessie. Jessie, your dad's job is the mayor of Gladstone, a whole town. What does that involve? That's a massive role. Pretty much everything in the Gladstone region has to do with the, the mayor. You don't want to miss this one. Talk to you then. Bring Your Kid to Work is a Lioness Media production. This episode was produced and edited by me, Nicole Lessio. Our music is composed by Rakuo, with graphics and design from Anastasia Makuka. Subscribe to Bring Your Kid to Work wherever you're listening right now to hear all our episodes. And you can also share with your friends. We hope they enjoy listening too. You can follow us on Instagram at Bring Your Kid to Work and on Facebook at Bring Your Kid to Work, the podcast. And you can follow me on TikTok, Nicole Lessio. Visit bringyourkidtowork.com to see bonus content, transcripts from our episodes, and to sign up to our newsletter for the latest updates. Thanks for listening.